0: You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. So I remember playing Little League basketball in elementary school, and this particular team I was on was called the Rebels. And I wasn't really good initially. Um, My coach had to really work with me through the season. I was unfamiliar with uh, the flow and the logistics of the game. So he takes me aside and he's like, here's what I want you to do. I want to teach you defense first. So we have our first game of the season. He's like, you see number 12 over there? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what I want you to do is I want you to follow him everywhere. Everywhere he goes, you stay on him. Then he follows it up and he says, hey, if he goes to the bathroom, you go with him. So I'm sitting on the bench thinking when I go in, I'm watching number 12. If he goes to the bathroom, do I really go to the bathroom with this guy? I'm new to this stuff, right? So I learned quickly that that's not the case. He just wanted me to guard him really closely, right? But that's with any team. You've got to learn the language of the sport you're playing so you know what's expected of you. You know what to do. You have to really learn the language. So we're coming into a section of Scripture from 1 Peter where he's going to do some refereeing. And then some coaching when it comes to the game we call marriage. This sport. He's going to talk to husbands and he's going to talk to wives. But for you and I to get the full impact and to really learn the language of this game, we've got to go ahead and unpack this idea of submission. Now, Monty kicked it off last week and talking about being submissive to the authorities. But what does submissiveness look like in a marital relationship or when it's just between two Christ followers? How do we really submit to one another? Now, what some of us don't know is that when the Bible speaks of submission, it's not just saying, hey, wives, you got to be submissive to your husbands and do everything they say and always follow their lead. It's actually this concept that applies to both sides of the court for husbands and for wives. Uh, Some of you know the familiar passage from Ephesians 5 where it talks about husbands and wives and you know the text where it says wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wives as Christ loves loves the church. Well if you back up just a little bit that whole section in our Bibles starts out in chapter 5 verse 21 and it actually says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Two way street both sides of the court. Husbands, wives, wives you're submitting to each other so when we come to first Peter chapter 3 and the text tells us wives submit to your husbands if we come back just a little bit and start in the section where Peter's thought pattern begins it comes in first Peter chapter 2 13 which is where Monty picked up last week submit yourselves for the Lord's sake so this idea of submission is where we have this deep dedication to God so our our desire, deep desire, is to please Him. And that means there'll be submission on both sides, working for the same team. Make sense? So learning the language of that is hugely important. When you think about the women in the ancient world, they didn't get a lot of playing time. They sat the bench. No post-game interviews. Often in the ancient world, uh, the women were... Second string, if that. A lot of overlooked talent when it comes to women in the ancient world. If you think about it, in Jewish life and culture, actually women, they were property. And then in the Greek, Greek life and law, women had no individual existence, their personhood was gone. And then you look at the Roman way of life, and they were powerless. Women transferred from the power of their father to the power of their husband. So they were really objectified and there was no individuality. That person was gone. And I wonder sometimes if that's true for our 21st century culture as well. Where women are objectified or their personhood can be overlooked. So Peter comes along and he's going to start in chapter three, and he's gonna lay down some rules. And you know, part of the referee's job is to say, okay, here's what the rules are, and I need to enforce them. And that's what he's going to do. He's gonna come along and say, this idea of submission, it goes two ways. So when I talk to the wives, I want you to understand I'm speaking to you, but what I say applies to the husbands as well, and vice versa. When he starts refing the husbands, he's gonna say, what I'm telling you though, it also applies to the wives. You're submitting to one another in this context. Fair? So 1 Peter chapter 3. Wives. In the same way. Just like we're all submissive to the government from last week. In the same way. Be submissive to your husbands. So that if any of them do not believe the word. They may be won over. Without words. By the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity. And reverence of your lives. I can't shake that phrase. Without words something Michelle and I decided a long time ago in our marriage is that we would never belittle one another especially in the public arena so this first rule that Peter wants to ref is hey no trash talking when it comes to a marital relationship there's no trash talking and being two decades deep in ministry I see all the time where this just isn't the case. Now, I know there's, there's a big difference between going to someone, a trusted friend, a counselor, a pastor, something like that, seeking advice, saying, I've got this issue going on. Can you speak into it? Can you help me? This is really what's happening. I get that. But that's a lot different than being out with your friends or your crew, hanging out with someone, and belittling your spouse. I see that happening too frequently. And what happens That personhood, it's a little destroyed and maybe it's suppressed a little more. You're belittling and not building into them. So, no trash talking. One of the benefits of Michelle and I deciding not to do that early on is that it's kind of trickled down to our children now. And our children are fierce fans of their mom and dad. You know how adults we can tease each other, you know, jabs here and there just about different things. If someone does that in the presence of Sophia, she's our fireball of faith. If someone jabs me, just in good fun, she comes back with, no, 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 that's not my dad. My dad works hard. My dad probably works harder than you. My dad's great and all this stuff like that. So it's really been impactful. She builds into us just like we build into one another. But make sure in your marriage, there's no trash talking, no trash talking. So then he comes to the husbands. Notice what he says. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate. Be considerate as you live with your wives. And this word considerate, it's actually derived from a word that means special knowledge. Special knowledge. In other words, you being involved in a marriage, you with your husband, your wife, you should have special knowledge of one another. For example, if I say, hey, what's Michelle's favorite drink at Starbucks? You say... Yeah, you're clueless, right? Uh, well, she's one of these, and I've learned to grow to appreciate this. But you don't go to Starbucks with Michelle and say, hey, I need a cup of coffee. You go to Starbucks with Michelle and you say, hey, I need a venti peppermint hot chocolate with five and a half pumps of peppermint syrup. No mocha drizzle. Shavings instead. Extra hot. Yeah. How long do you think it took me to learn that? But I've got this I've got this secret knowledge of her. That's what the idea of biblical consideration means. You're in the game with someone. You're suited up. You're playing on the same team. And you know what's going on. Listen, when there's trash talking going on, you're pushing people away. When you're not being considerate, you're pushing your spouse away. So he says, be considerate. Know who you're living with. Know your spouse. Know your husband. Know your wife as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life I know that caught some of your attention wives weaker partner that's socially that's not spiritually it's socially because in the ancient world women were property no individual existence They were powerless. In that context, yes, they were weaker socially, not spiritually, because wives, you're heirs of this same gift of life that we've been given by our God as well. So there's equality there. Get the point? So treat them with respect. So rule number two that I think Peter wants to enforce and kind of ref this out is that everyone plays. Everyone plays. I did a little coaching for Christians Little League team, a couple of... Um, springs ago and something that I learned was the dynamic that they uh, this particular organization wanted to do was everyone plays two quarters everyone and I know some of you don't like that you know some of you want no you got to earn your playing time and I get that but if everyone gets to play if everyone has to play what I saw is that the team developed over time and where I'm from this idea that everyone plays isn't too popular in a marriage the husband is the big dog. And what he says go goes, even if it's not the best play. Everyone plays in a biblical marriage. Everyone has value. Everyone is considered. Everyone gets playing time. You know, in our world where it's so easy to get overbooked, it's easy for a spouse to get overlooked. Got to treat them with respect. So um, I have used to follow the Chicago Bulls. Loved Michael Jordan. Huge fan. Anybody else? Chicago Bulls fan? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the Bulls were playing, and this was, I think, in the season when Jordan was out for a while. But they still had Scottie Pippen and Tony Kukoc. They were playing the New York Knicks. It's a tie ball game. One point eight seconds left on the clock. Coach Phil Jackson calls a play. It's the Bulls' ball. Calls a play for Tony Kukoc to take the last shot. Well, Scottie Pippen thought he was the superstar of the team and he wanted to take the shot. So do you remember what he did? When he heard the play that was called, he took himself out of the game. He went and he sat on the bench. Sometimes I see that happening in marriages where someone checks out. They're no longer playing. They don't want to be part of the team because what's happening Someone's being overlooked. So when Peter says, hey, treat your spouse with respect, this word respect, I want you to notice how it's spelled. It's pronounced "tme, respect, t-m-e, And it means assigning value, assigning value. But notice how it's spelled. Time, time. When you give your spouse time, freedom to be who they are, To find that hidden person, to express themselves as an individual, you are assigning value to their life. You're saying that their concerns, their interests, their needs equal to yours. Everyone gets to play. We're in this together. Unfortunately, I think what happens is that some of us, we hear Christianity and you know it's going to church, it's getting up on Sunday mornings and all that, and we're suiting up for this game. But then we set the bench in practical ways. Part of Christianity is submitting to your spouse. Part of Christianity is not trash talking, but building someone up. Part of Christianity is learning who your spouse is and building into them through consideration, knowing them, respecting them, assigning value to them. So when Peter's reffing these two teams, I think what he's saying is, hey, husbands, wives, and this speaks to all the husbands and wives here at Northeast, show us what this looks like. Husbands and wives, show the way. Show that this works. Show us what all-in commitment to one another really looks like. Show us what unconditional love really looks like. Show us that this stuff works. So Steve and Pat Smith, they're gonna come up and help us out for a moment. And they're going to be a clear visual of 47 years of marriage that the idea when you take the time to look at your spouse and say, I value you as a person, that works. When you take the time to say, you know what, I'm not going to be little, but I'm going to build into who you really are. When you take the time to say, you know what, I live with you. I should know some secret stuff about you, some stuff that not everybody else knows. I should know what you like, who you really are, and I want to assign value to your personhood. It works. And Steve and Pat Smith, they're a visual of that. 47 years respecting the other person.
1: And that being said... It does take some work, because for me, I love roller coasters and amusement parks.
2: I hate roller coasters, and I don't want to go to any amusement parks.
1: But, you know, even though I'm, t- and even though I'm terrible at it, I love to play golf.
2: I got more important things to do than go chase little white balls all over the lawn.
1: When, wouldn't you agree, though, that movies are made so that we can see things blown up and blown away?
2: No, 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 no. Movies are chick flicks where everybody falls in love, kisses, and gets married and lives happily ever after.
1: Well, I do plan on skydiving before my next birthday.
2: (laughs) Only an idiot would want to jump out of a plane.
1: (laughs) I do love to ride motorcycles.
2: Motorcycles are dangerous and they make me nervous.
1: Well, we all know that it is important to have a clean car.
2: Why? They only get dirty again.
1: And I love attending seminars and conferences where I might be able to learn something.
2: Not me. I am way too busy to go to a bunch of seminars to hear people talk about stuff I already know about.
1: I do watch the news every night.
2: Not me. News makes me sick. When it comes on, I get up and go in the other room.
1: I love going camping and sleeping under the stars.
2: I'm good with that, as long as it's a five-star hotel.
1: And I like that also, but I like the, the city lights, and I like visiting New York City.
2: Been there, done that, don't plan on doing it again.
1: Okay, so much for mine. Well, let's do it another way.
2: Okay, good. I love to play cards.
1: Who can remember 52 cards?
2: I love to go shopping.
1: Shop. No, it's hunt, bag it, grab it, and drag it home.
2: I love this time of year because I love to decorate for Christmas.
1: The mention of decorating for Christmas gives me an anxiety attack.
2: One of my favorite things is to get all the grandkids at the house and chase them all through the house. I love it.
1: Somebody's going to get hurt.
2: I especially love sleeping with those grandkids. Cuddling up next to them, it's great.
1: Kid comes into my bed, I'm out.
2: In the mornings, I want to wake up. And I want no noise.
1: I've got to turn on the news. We we don't know what happened while we were asleep.
2: And I really like having a neat, well-organized desk with everything filed.
1: You file, I pile.
2: I drive the speed limit.
1: I have a radar detector.
2: (laughs) I like to manage and save our money.
1: I have spent our money before we make it.
2: And to just kind of summarize all this, I've spent the last week getting ready for this.
1: I finished this morning.
2: In a serious note, though, we're here as witnesses to the fact that totally opposites can attract and can live together happily for 47 years.
1: At least the last five.
0: Are you like a think sometimes we can forget that opposites do indeed attract and when that's the case you find yourself in a situation where you do feel overlooked or devalued you do feel like you're not part of the game or part of the team things aren't going your way and Peter's going to come along now and not referee but he's going to do some coaching and coaching is a little different than refereeing you know your referee you're identifying the rules making sure everyone follows them but when you've got a coach, a coach comes alongside and says, I need to bring out the very best in you. I need to help you develop your personal best. So just a check-in question. In your relationships right now, are you giving your personal best for yourself and for your teammates, whoever they may be? Now, He's going to do something that's a little personal and it reminds me of what my high school coach did when we were playing high school basketball my coach would come in with his clipboard you know he was writing notes down looking at plays looking at players maybe even looking at the schedule and he'd tell us at the beginning of every season okay now that the season's kicked in none of you are allowed to play any kind of basketball unless it's in this gym or on the road at another school we're like no pickup no you're not allowed can't play at home no 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 and what he wanted to do was reduce the risk of unnecessary injury for any of the players so that we're all there giving a collective effort and heading in the same direction but it was kind of personal wasn't it i mean this is my life i'm not here at school 24 7 but still that's what he wanted to bring out our personal best so if you don't mind i'd like to do a little coaching and maybe be a little personal with you for just a few moments because what i've seen over time is that when you've got a marriage you've got a strong relationship there And someone isn't valued, where there isn't consideration or respect, when someone is overlooked, that person begins to turn inward. But unfortunately, there are strong emotions there, and they need a release, they need an outlet. And so many times, I don't know exactly what the right connection is, I don't know if there's some science behind it or what, but oftentimes what happens is when a person is suppressed or hidden, that strong emotion still there, it comes out. But it comes out in a sexual way. I don't know why, but it happens. And so Peter does a little coaching and in chapter three, verses three and four, he says, hey, your adornment must not be merely external, but let it be the, that hidden person, that person that's there, maybe he's been overlooked, maybe she's been suppressed or pushed to the sidelines on the bench, That hidden person in your heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, that's precious in God's sight, but that hidden person of the heart, the word heart's referenced over 800 times in Scripture, never once referring to this blood-pumping organ, always referring to this emotional engine that drives us from which we make our decisions. So when you're in a relationship and you've got an emotional engine driving you, you've got some feelings you've gotta get out, sometimes they come in the form of trash talking or pushing someone away. Sometimes they come out in the sexual way as well. Can we touch base on that for a moment? Can we touch base on that so that we can get a little personal, but make sure we're avoiding any unnecessary injuries and you're on the same team, Moving forward the same direction. Notice what scripture says about this. And this is hugely important. When you read throughout the New Testament, you'll come to some places where there's just sin after sin after sin listed. We call those vice lists. And frequently when you read one of those, more often than not actually, the idea of sexual immorality always leads the lists. There's one in Galatians 5. The acts of the sinful nature, they're obvious. Sexual immorality. And then he lists another handful. And they are obvious at times. You can see this playing out in someone's life. And you know something's not right. Because sexual sin begs the question. Hey, what's really going on? What's really going on here? Uh, There's another in Ephesians 5. Among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. And then he lists some other sins. Because this spreads, it needs a release. It needs to be out there. This can permeate a team or a relationship. Colossians 3, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he starts out once again with sexual immorality. Because if you don't put it to death, it can end up killing you or your marriage or your relationships. So this idea of a hidden person making decisions in their heart because they're overlooked and they've got to find that connection somewhere. Peter's coming along and doing a little coaching saying husbands, wives, respect each other, know each other, be considerate, love each other, be in tune with each other to avoid any of these unnecessary distractions, unnecessary injuries. Be on each other's team. Here's why this is important. 1 Corinthians 6. Notice this language. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. And anytime we read that phrase, sexual immorality, it's the Greek word porneia, where we get our word pornography. And it refers to any sexual behavior outside of a relationship between a man and a woman. So our creator is saying, your body's not meant for that. All other sins a man commits are outside of his body. But he who commits sins sexually sins against his own body. That own hidden person. Maybe they've been overlooked for a while. But it's coming from deep within and it needs to get out. And sometimes it comes out in the wrong way. If we've got any of that going on, I want you to know that Northeast Christian Church is a safe place to move forward in your relationships, we have pastors, we have males and females who can help, we have individuals who can come along and say, share with me. If you want to open up about something, we've got a safe environment here to discuss and talk, and we can work through this stuff with you. So if that pertains to anyone here, and I know that's a little personal, but I don't want to follow Peter's coaching example and just say, hey, we're available i'm going to be down to the side i'd love to connect with you pray with you maybe get you connected with the right person but if you know you've suited up for this sport called marriage and the game's not playing out the way you anticipated let's talk about it we don't need anyone overlooked sound good all right let's pray father thank you for your goodness thank you for loving us thank you for loving each and every one of us as individuals created in your image. Thank you for assigning value to every man and woman in this building. And Father, thank you for the reminder that we need to assign that same value to build into each other, to love each other, especially when it becomes a husband and a wife. And I pray, Father, for all the husbands and wives and families here at Northeast this morning that they take the lead and they show the way. They show what it looks like to respect and honor your spouse, your husband and your wife. What it looks like when opposites attract, when that hidden person is allowed to be who they are. I pray, Father, that our husbands and wives, our families show what all-in commitment looks like in a marriage. So we have more and more 47-year-plus marriages. And Father, we dedicate this time to you. We're here opening our hearts and minds as much as possible. Please do a good work in each and every person here so that we're no longer hidden but visible. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray and we praise you. Amen.